Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to go to the mailbag. People have sent me a couple articles that I think really deserve some attention. And as I get into them, I want to preface this material I'm going to go into today because it's material that I'm going to talk about people seeing the world in what I would call the wrong light. Now, before we go there, you have to understand this, is that your life and your choices and your decisions, there's no right and there's no wrong. There's effective and ineffective. And for me to tell you that you've done something wrong makes no sense at all because you might have exactly what you want in life. So I want to start with basically this. If you have a problem or a challenge, and that's what these articles bring about is problems and challenges, and you don't are not happy with where you are in life because of these problems or these challenges, then I would suggest that your approach to these problems is ineffective. Both of the problems we're going to talk about today I have no problem with. None at all. In fact, it's really sad to me that so many people, probably 90% of the people, have the same problem out there. I asked the other day how long I've been doing this radio show. We've been in business now for 33 uh, years. We started in 1990, and uh, so 33 years. But we've been on the radio uh, somewhere around 18 years, I think it was. We tried to figure this out the other day exactly. They were going to look it up. But I've been sharing this with people forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And yet, it still doesn't get any attention. It still doesn't get solved on the macro basis. Now, micro basis, about 50,000 clients right now for Lifestyles Unlimited have taken the steps to fix this stuff. And I just hope that Maybe we can touch a few more people today. So the first article I'm going to read, is it's called, and let's see if I even can tell who it's from here, it says, uh, Harold at Goldman Sachs, which I have no idea what that means. It says, welcome to Harold at Goldman Sachs, where we share our perspective on the one financial topic you need focusing on right away. Now, you realize Goldman Sachs is a giant bank, right? Gigantic bank. You probably make a million dollars a year if you work there as a president, vice president, CEO, whatever. Uh, these are the highest paid people in the world. What I would suggest to you, though, is that they're the highest paid people in the world because they make the bank money, not because they do anything for you. So when you have somebody else and you're giving them their money, the first thing I want to share with you, I learned it at 27 years old. You give someone else your money. Their goal is not to make you money. Their goal is to make themselves money. Now, if by chance the side effect is that you make money, then they're going to be very happy about that because then they're going to be able to go back and tell you that story that they're making money for you. And they do that because they want you to give them more money. 
that they can use to make themselves more money. It's just the way it works. It works that way in all financial institutions out there. So go on and read this article. It says, according to this year's retirement survey and insight report, and that's underlined like it's obviously a actual report somewhere, from our colleagues in Goldman Sachs Asset Management, more than half, 51% of retirees, say they're living on less than half of the income they had pre-retirement. To put this into perspective, experts commonly say we may need as much as 70% of our pre-retirement income to retire comfortably. I made more money every single year since I've retired than what I made. And now, compared to what I earned as an employee, I make, I'm just make a quick analysis that could be a hundred times. No, it's even more than a hundred times what I made. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. And my point is this. This concept here of saving your way to retirement is leaving people with the basic thought that Whatever it is my pile of money gets up to by the time I retire, my pile of money will never get any larger. It will actually start to go down because I'm living off of my pile. I'm depleting it. Now, your goal, if you talk to a financial planner, is for them to manipulate the money in some manner that it can make around 4% return so that you can live off the 4% and not dig into the pile of money. That's kind of the whole premise of retirement and financial planners and the whole bit, right? So what I'm saying is we haven't even got out of the first paragraph of this thing, and it's already wrong because you're missing the whole point. That which produces income for you should produce enough income that, number one, you can live off of it, and number two, produce enough income that you can still save. You, when you had a job you saved, you should still be saving. And as you save, you should be buying more investments that in turn make each year's income higher. And that next year, even though you have more income, you can live higher on the hog. Let's give you an example. Let's say I make $100,000 a year and I save 20% of that. It's 20000 I go buy something for 20000 that is going to make me anywhere from 10 to 100% return. So I make, let's just say, half of that 50% return. So I make $10,000. Well, remember, I lived off 80. I saved 20. I just added another $10,000 a year to my income. So now instead of living off 80, I can live off 85. And instead of saving 20, I'm saving 25. Now do that every year for the rest of your life. And what you'll notice is every single year, your income will go up. And up, and up, and up, and up. So whatever it was, even if you retire at, and these guys are saying they retired at 51% of their, no, 51% of the people retired below what they were earning. Even if that's where you start, it shouldn't be where you end up in retirement. Guys, rising interest rates is the best time ever to buy real estate. Uh, it may not be the best time ever to buy the stocks because stocks are going down. Bonds are going down because interest rates going up says you can make more money without risk in savings environments than you can in risk environments. And 
That means people that are in the stock market hate rising interest rates. People that are trying to sell you new stuff hate rising interest rates. Everybody that's into something for nothing, instantaneous gratification hates rising interest rates. Why do we like them? I like rising interest rates because, number one, the millions of dollars I have sitting in my savings accounts waiting for the next great deal to come along are earning more and more and more interest. At one point, my savings accounts were earning less than one-third of 1%. They're now averaging about 4.5% is about what they're averaging. So I went from the money sitting in my fund, my ready-to-buy fund, and I've always had a ready-to-buy fund. Uh, You might call yours a rainy day fund, but I don't because I don't really have the rainy days with all the income I have coming in. But it's my ready-to-buy fund. It's sitting there waiting for something to fall through the cracks, somebody to make a mistake in life, and an opportunity. What does luck mean? Luck equals proper preparation meets opportunity. So I've always got this fund. Well, that fund was earning me somewhere around, I think, $7,000 a month back when the interest rates were a third of a percent, and now it's up to $60,000 a month. Can you... Listen to what I just said. I earned last month $60,000 from my savings account. Forget about my 27 or 30 businesses I own. Forget about everything else I do, all the real estate. out. Forget about all that. This was just my savings accounts. That wasn't any of my investments. That wasn't any of my businesses. That was my savings account. So you think I hate, I love high interest rates. And if you got money in the bank and you're waiting to find that deal, that single family house you want or that duplex or fourplex or small 10 unit, you got to be thankful you're in four and a half percent instead of one third of one percent. So these guys are lying to you. These are perfect times and inflation and high market volatility. Hey, inflation means whatever it is you already own has gone up in value, but they're cutting inflation. And that means prices are going down. They're pounding the prices. So the prices are not inflation-minded right now. They're deflation-minded. Again, they're lying to you. And market volatility. Market volatility is where we find opportunities to get rich. You've got to learn to love market volatility. I I dream of days when things start falling out of the sky and and poor operators, not my operators, but poor operators and people out there have to get rid of things. I know right now I was talking to a broker the other day, and she was talking about she's got this giant portfolio she's trying to sell, and these people want to get out. They're, They're having problems, and they've got mega, mega, mega millions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in this portfolio, and it's doing terribly. It's not operated correctly. They thought they were just going to make a quick upside on it by rehabbing it and flipping it to somebody else. It didn't work out. And now they're at a point where they can't even sell for what they have in it. And she's saying they won't sell below what they have in it, but I know she's lying. They, they, they say that to her. But the day somebody comes in with an offer that actually will get them out of that situation, they'd sell it below what they've got in it because it's smart to do that. Why is it smart? Because sometimes cutting your losses is the best thing to do. Take a small loss now instead of sitting on that thing and taking a large loss later would be a good business decision for people that are into volatility and they're trying to flip stuff and wholesale stuff and do stuff, renovate stuff. This kind of people that do these things, they're not in it for the long term. They're in it for the short term, which I'm going to cover later in the radio show today. Uh, 
But it's it's something that's really easy to do, and right now is the easiest time to do it. That's what you got to get out of this. Right now is the best time. I'm going to buy an apartment complex this year. I've already looked at quite a few of them that have gone down in price. Good properties. It doesn't mean the property changed one bit. The income didn't even change. It's what you can buy the income stream for based on the fact there's higher interest rates. Now, remember this. You marry your property and the price you pay for it. You can't get out of that. But you date your financing. The financing you put on that thing, if you know how to pick the right financing, which I did a show the other day about problematic financing. If you pick the right financing and stick it on a property within a short period of time, when all these problems turn around, you're going to be able to get out of that financing and go. When interest rates go back down, refinance back down at a lower rate, and boom, there you go. Super good price and eventually good financing. There it is, folks. That's what it's all about. Another one that I see all the time that just makes me tons of money is buying great deals with assumable loans at low interest rates that take tons of equity. A type of play that doesn't give you a very high rate of return, and most syndicators can't use it because they need to promise high rates of return. But in the long run, an incredible investment. Maybe we'll talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Lifestyles Unlimited members share their stories and strategies for success at case study events. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing the economy? Kept on coming to meetings, even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like... We need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers, and he got downsized from his corporate job. But they didn't buy just one house, right? No, they did not. You rehab in house number nine. Right now. Nine. Wow. So every month, the cash flow is $3,200. Okay, the equity of all the houses is up to 280,000. Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in person and online dates at lucasestudy.com. That's lucasestudy.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are in the mailbag and working our way through a um, article that was sent to me by Goldman Sachs. We're on the third paragraph only, believe it or not. Because there's so many misrepresentations of life or basically what they want you to believe about life that is keeping you stuck where you're at financially, that I have to take each one of these paragraphs apart and just show it for the 
well, I was going to call it the lies that it is. In their minds, it's the sales pitch that you need to hear. In your mind, it's the facts. In my mind, I see it as lies. So let's go on to the third paragraph. It says, life puts many demands on our budgets. We save for retirement within a swirl of more immediate needs, such as paying bills, reducing debt, and saving the large expenses. Well, number one, you shouldn't go into debt. You shouldn't have large credit card debt. Debt is something you use to buy assets with. You only put debt on income-producing assets that pay the debt for you. You don't put debt out there when you don't need debt. Well, I needed something for my car or whatever. Hey, there are so many life experiences that poorly raised adults who are really just tall children don't understand. I've seen people sink hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars into repairing an old beater car when they could go out and buy a brand new, inexpensive, like Toyota Celica or something, which would never break down in the five, ten years that they own it, at least five years and no problems, and they could pay a payment of like 180 bucks a month. You know, hundred bucks a month, whatever it is. What you know, they'll finance for seven years now. And you say, well, you'll never pay it off. Go. Do you ever pay a car off? Even if you pay a car off, okay. Now you spend all this money. Now you live on it and, and use it like I do for four or five years, and then you buy another one. You've used it up. So when you buy and pay monthly, you're just paying monthly as the usage. As you use it up monthly, you're paying monthly. But you can budget yourself a lot better. People don't understand budgeting. They make very big mistakes. Another thing is about paying off debt. They're saying, you've got Dave Ramsey out there lying to people. You should pay off your car note. You should pay off your home note. And you're wasting money into things that you'll never pay off. You're never going to pay off a place to live. It's an expense. You've got to pay the taxes, the insurance, the water, the gas, the lawn mowing, the pool expense, everything, maintenance, repair. So the mortgage payment is just a part of the cost. And the bottom line is, is that you don't want your money tied up in a house because your house never sends you a paycheck. Same thing with everything else that they're talking about in these expenses here. It's just because you don't know how to control your expenses and budget. It's just simply uneducated people out there which don't understand. Say, well, Dell, I have expense. No, you don't. I know in the in the past people who raised six, eight kids on a blue collar job. No problem. Yeah, their kids wear hand me downs because there's six kids in a row. Yeah, they don't have designer jeans because they're just gonna go out and destroy them anyway. And none of them have cell phones. You think every one of your two, three kids need to have a $1,000 iPhone. And they need every other kind of expensive toy there is. You're spoiling your kids and destroying your savings. Destroying your budget. Because you're spoiling your kids. They're going to grow up and be a brat kid that can't even take care of themselves. I ran into one of them the other day in the gym. Little girl was such a complete brat. She was sitting on one piece of equipment. There's only one piece of equipment. And she was sitting there doing her email. And I said, excuse me, uh, how many more cents you have? And she has one with an attitude. And I said, okay, you seem to be doing your emails. May I just work in with you? Very typical thing you do in the gym when somebody's got it taken long term between sets. They stand aside. You do a set. They do a set. You do a set. This is, you know, proper gym etiquette. She well, you can't. I, 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 I go, look. Lady, miss, you're sitting on the only machine in the gym. You're holding up everybody else and getting their workout done while you do your email. 
you, you can't you can't come over here and harass me. Look, I'm not harassing you. I'm asking you to let me work in, or I'm asking you to do your one set and get off the machine, one of the two. You can't push me out of here. You can't come and tyrannize me. Look, bottom line is you're raising brats, guys. You don't have anybody to take care of what's important in life. You're not teaching your kids how to be adults and how to balance their budgets because you don't balance your budget, right? You're creating brats. And these brats are going to grow up and create more brats, and our country's going down the toilet because... We are just totally reversing the entire cycle of ethics in our country. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. The bottom line is, as I read on, it says, Not surprisingly, this vortex of competing financial responsibilities can have a major impact uh, on your ability to save for the future. All right? Uh, No, not really. You don't save by taking what's left over. You take what's left over and live on it. You take a small amount out of everything you earn and you put it aside. You don't ever touch that. That's your savings. Uh, right? So move on. It says about four in ten working respondents in the survey feel their savings are behind schedule, while the young millennials and Gen Xers are more likely to believe they're on or ahead of schedule. Gen X in the heart of the vortex is more likely to feel far behind. In other words, the younger you are, the more you feel entitled that you really never needed money because everybody gave you money for everything for doing nothing. You don't really feel like you're behind. The older you get, the farther you get away from that something for nothing life of being a kid, the more you realize, man, I'm not going to have anything. There's not going to be anybody to take care of me for the rest of my life. Says Gen X, sometimes called the sandwich generation, are often homeowners who take on dual roles of both parents and elder caretakers, forced to juggle competing priorities while the critical stage of savings and preparing for their own retirement. While they have some time before retirement, the time to get their savings on track is shrinking. Many, as many as 65% of them, are stressed about the situation. So let's solve that problem. What did you do with mom and dad's money when they retired? Did you spend it? Did you take it and put it in a pile? Didn't earn any money? Why didn't you buy them two or three or four rent houses that pay for them to survive? You could pay for them to survive for the rest of their life off of the investments they should have made when they were adults, which didn't make, but whatever they gave you when they retired to say, take over my life, you could invest those monies right now and take care of them. Not to mention that if you would have been saving for yourself, you would have all this passive income coming in that would have helped you. Secondly, your kids. Don't spend money on a college College is ridiculous. I didn't go. To, I did go to college, and I quit because I saw how ridiculous it was. And the amount of money that you put into college, what you should do is instead go buy yourself an apartment complex with the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And then, if you want to send your kids to college, show them that the apartment complex pays for their college. The monthly income from your investments could easily pay for your kid to go to college, but then you would own the assets. You would be making income to pay for those expenses, not coming out of your personal budget for your saving for your retirement. And in the long run, the asset will increase in value, give you tax benefits, and grow, 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 grow in value. But no. You waste your money on college education. You waste your money on cell phones. You waste your money on, you know, taking care of your parents the wrong way. You don't have a budget problem, or you don't have a money problem. You have a budget problem. It's not how much you make. I've seen people that make very small amounts save and become wealthy. I've seen other people that make very large amounts who can't save a dime, and they become broke. 
We're going to a new article right now. And this is another situation where it's all about perspective and people wanting you to believe something. Somebody sent me this article because they wanted me to comment on this issue. And I don't think they're going to get the response that they think they're going to get the response. And the article reads, it's from Housing Market Trends, who's put it out, says, a spike in supply could tank multifamily prices this year. So let's just start with the title. Isn't that a good thing? Unless you're a flipper, buy, hold, resell, wouldn't you like to get in when the prices are tanked? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? So right off the bat, it's like, oh, my God, prices could tank. I mean, oh, thank God, prices might tank. I sure hope they do. Man, people are just so upside down and silly about the world. They don't see it as opportunity. So it goes on. It says, according to recent data, there's now over one million multifamily units under construction, the highest ever recorded, many of which are ready to hit the market this year. So the premise of this whole article, and I'm going to spare you this whole article, is basically that in the apartment industry, as you bring more units on, people move out of the old units and into the new units. And it takes time to absorb the fact that there's now more units available for people to pick from. And that occurs either because the economy changes and more and more people want to move into a new place by themselves and get away from their parents or break away from a roommate or whatever, um, whatever it is. Or they just want to upgrade and, you know, things fill in and people come in like they're letting in like 18 million people a day down on the southern border and a couple hundred thousand a day at the northern border. Who knows what they're letting in? And these people got to live somewhere. So, you know, it doesn't they're saying right now, the United States of America is underbuilt by something like 30 million living units. Now, I just made that number up, but I know it's something like that. We could look it up and get it exact, but it's a lot. I mean, just take that. 30 million million people don't have a unit that they'd like to have. So now we have the highest number of units ever being built, right? Well, that's probably because the people building these units realize that if we need 30 million more units because we're undersupplied by 30 million, that 1 million new ones this year is not that big a deal. Again, they're looking at it all wrong. It's probably a good thing. Not to mention that real estate gets old. And so unlike where you live in a democratic place like New York City, where the same building's been standing there for 100, 150 years, in Texas and in, in the rest of the country, stuff goes away. After 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they just tear it down and put something new there. They build something new and they get rid of something old. So to build a million new units across the country doesn't mean that much. You know it's the highest ever. And so we'll just tear down a million units somewhere or half a million or 100,000. Stuff gets old. All right. So there's another reason to not worry about it. But let's go one step further. It's because people really don't understand what real estate does for you. I remember buying into real estate into apartments back in the 80s, 90s. And I bought these three little small apartment complexes that really made me rich, just these three. Uh, Many other situations that I did made me richer and more and more wealthy over and over and over again. Great stories, big, giant clumps of money. Rule number three, you can't get rich slow. There are those things in life, big existences that create 
wealth instantly for you. But this was just a long, slow trudge. I bought a 64 unit, a 68 unit, and an 88 unit all right next to each other. And um, it's funny. I listen to radio show guys, hosts that are lying about what they've actually have. Uh, what they've done. Uh, I, I know one here in Houston lies about everything he says he's done. And I know it's a lie because I know the guy. I know him personally. And he's lying about what he said he's done. I actually have done the things that I say. In fact, many of the things he says he's done are the things I've done that he's stealing uh, the information, that the story and using it. So irrespective of that. And I think those of you who live in Houston know who that is. And you know it's a lie. Because the guy doesn't have anything. He lives in a 1,700 square foot home and says he does that because he's doesn't want to be rich. Okay? Gotcha. So uh, we move on here, and we get into this thing about the lies. I, I bought these properties, and when I bought them, they were less than 80% occupied. Right now, everything we own is 95% or higher, and that's everything that we're in control of. Now, when you go out there and you find other people who don't know what they're doing, they may have lower than 95. They may be 92, 90, whatever. Uh, but when times get tough, they're going to drop to 80 Eight, eighty-five, and then the people that can't really do anything are going to drop down in the 80s and some maybe even lower than that, and that's when they go broke. If you go below 80% occupancy in an apartment, you're going to go broke on it. It just doesn't support itself. So I bought these things at about 80% occupied in all three instances except the senior's place. I bought the 88 unit. It was full. But the other two were very low occupied and operated poorly, and I bought them, and I turned them around and filled them back up. So well, it's, how do you fill them back up when there's too many units? Say It's very simple, guys. Brand new units got to come online anywhere from two to three thousand dollars a door. You just make your apartments rentable at a low price, half of what they, a third of what they offer, and you say, "Well, you can't below go below." It. Look, you got a property. This is something nobody seems to understand. I don't know why, but you got a property there, and it's it's sitting there at eighty percent occupied. You got twenty units out of a hundred that aren't rented. <sighs> is there not a price that if you put that price on a sign out in front, somebody would come in? I'll let you have it for $1. Well, I'll lease all of them today. I'll let you have it for $100. let still lease them all today. If 200 today. 300 today. And I go to my management team. I go, okay, 500 today. 600 today. And there'll be a number we'll finally get to 900. Go, okay, now it'll take us two days, three days. I go, well, there's our number. Let's go at 900 and fill these up because we've got 20 units in here not earning us a dime. Let's put $900 a door in there for us right now and increase our income. The next thing you have to understand is what it said. A spike in supply could make multi-prices go down. So we can buy this less. Remember, we buy income when we buy apartment complexes. And as that income goes down, the prices go down, and we still make money. Nothing bad about prices going down. Everything good. Hope you enjoyed today. We'll see you again tomorrow. And remember, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. 
The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.